between the shotgunners and or just the shooters in general and the judo guys, watching them, it was crazy. And those are big dudes too. Even the little guys you know, in, the, in the smaller weight classes, they just like randomly grab you and throw you across the room. And I'm like, no, no, I'm done. I'm going to step back in the corner, you know, away from all that. It's fun to watch, fun to listen to and everything else, but I don't like being the one getting thrown. Welcome to the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Join me and a famous guest. We discuss their career, life, food, Texas, and everything in between. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, your amazing host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Let's get to it. Vincent Hancock, that's my guest. That's right. When they say, leave your Hancock, that's what they're talking about, this guy. No, I'm kidding. They're not. That's Herbie Hancock, I believe. Uh, it could be related. I don't know. I didn't ask him. Anyway, Vincent Hancock, he is a two-time gold medalist, okay? World champion, 20 times over or something. It's absolutely crazy. Skeet shooter, okay? Shooting the shotguns, although we did talk about other firearms. He knows his way around anything, I would imagine, right? Um, what a cool interview. This guy, talk about dedication, sacrifice, um, just like discipline, okay? This guy shoots like over 30,000 rounds a year to practice. Can you, 30,000 rounds of shotgun shells. Just And that's just practicing. So that's not like him just hanging out shooting, you know, maybe a, a sidearm or something. Um, we kind of had a joke in the podcast because I was doing one of these Yosemite Sams, you know, and was like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing with a gun, um, you know. So anyway, look, it was a cool discussion. We talked a little bit about guns and gun control. Not too much. Okay. We didn't get really too political um, at all. Um, we just talked about more of his journey and what it took to, for him to get where he's at and how much he's changed. And even after winning gold medals, he's still, you know, observing what he's doing and trying to make adjustments, right? That's, that's pretty, th those are the best, most successful people. That's why they become the greatest in the world at whatever they do, because they never stop, man. You know, the, the finish line is always moving. And I respect it. The guy was very inspiring. So this is, you know, uh, another Olympian on the podcast that's uh, headed to Japan and uh, very excited. And I'll let you know, look, he invited me out to shoot some guns. So we'll see if that happens. I don't know. I'm a little, you know, I like guns, but I don't own one. You know, I try to be I'm super careful around them. I'm not in particular, you know, like, oh, let's just go shoot a gun. That's not, not my style. Um, but this is more than that. Okay, skeet shooting. This is a sport. Um, and, you know, that's something else we talked about. The, the stigma that that sport has is actually literally one of the safest sports in the world. And it has guns. Just goes to show you. They've had zero casualties. Okay, they take it very seriously. And, yeah, that was cool. It was just a cool conversation. This guy was super cool. Re really, you know, great Texan. Um, super cool. Coming down. He's training. He lives out in Fort Worth. Just a great guy. We wish him all the best in Japan. So I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode and get inspired. And then when you see him, you know, on TV, let's cheer him on, baby. Okay, we got Michelle Carter, Vincent Hancock. We need to, you know, cheer on these Texas Olympians. So anyway, 
Before we get to the episode, here's a quick word from our sponsor, Texas Real Food. We'll be right back. Hi, I wanted to talk to you about what's on the Texas Real Food site that's more than just putting in your zip code and finding, you know, the coolest butcher, farmer's market, restaurant around you. There's also other resources on the site, recipes, articles, and one in particular is called the Texas Mom Blog. It's awesome. Faria Khan is writing these beautiful articles. You can really learn a lot about Texas just giving you a lot of other things to think about. Food, family, everything behind that goes into food as well. So just different topics and uh, conversations. Definitely something worth checking out as well. All right, back to the show. Okay, thank you so much for sticking around and listening, as always. Uh, You know what the best way to listen is? Um, And just stay connected with us on Instagram. Check us out, Lone Star Plate TX. Please give us a follow uh, and like some pictures, share it, all those beautiful things. And if you're on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button. Let us know that you care because every time you hit subscribe, you save a baby calf, okay? And every time you don't, I don't wanna tell you what happens. It's the opposite though of saving lives. So anyway, let's get to this episode. Let's have some fun. Vincent Hancock, look, a lot of laughs, jokes, inspiration. I also recommend going on YouTube and checking out some clips of him shooting and stuff. The the hand-eye coordination, the the like, you can just see the discipline in his eyes when he's like following, you know, the skeet or whatever. Um, and we go into that too of like what skeet shooting is and the different styles. And I had no idea it was so, you know, layered and dense and, um, you know, just really cool. This was just fascinating. So anyway, Vincent Hancock, amazing dude. Super happy to have him on. Happy to call him a Texan. All right, Vincent Hancock, enjoy. Hey, brother. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Can't complain. <laughs> right on, man. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for jumping on today, man. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, super excited, man, to to talk about a lot of cool things you've done, my man. You got the Olympics coming up here. Um, uh, you know, this summer we've had uh, we had Michelle Carter on um, as well. She's from Texas, also going uh, to the Olympics. She's in shot put. I don't know how how often do people from other sports and stuff like know each other or get together or is that just like you guys are in just different worlds? It's it's all different worlds, but I mean our paths do cross at some points. Uh, like I've met her before. I forget where we were doing something, and uh, I think we may have been doing something out in Hollywood for for NBC. But our paths crossed at some point, you know, and then I've gotten to to meet and know a little bit uh, one of the karate guys from North Dallas. Um, and then oh, wow. I've got some friends in wrestling, too, some friends from judo. Like It's just kind of scattered. It's all yeah. over the place. It's, it's really odd how it all works out and how friendships kind of go. But, you know, it, it, it is what it is. We're all athletes with Team USA and we're all chasing the same thing. It just makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Well, that's cool to know that you guys do. So, you know what I mean? That's cool to know. I, I, 
you know, had no idea really. Uh, you think about it. Um, yeah, that's cool. That's, uh, that's cool to know. Yeah. Karate. I'd definitely be making friends with karate guys. You know what I mean? I know, right. But, right? <laughs> Although they're probably like make friends with a guy with a gun. This guy's who we want, you know, helping us too. So yeah. it's probably All a mutual. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to step out of the way. Like, All right, you guys, you guys go deal with him. Oh, if it's uh, anything else, it's like you stand back. I, I got yeah. this. <laughs> I love it. That's so awesome. That's so, yeah. Can you imagine a bar fight with like all Olympic athlete? You know, it's like, dude, these are not the guys dude, you want to be messing the with. Judo man. guys. Oh my goodness, those guys are insane. I'm, I'm I believe gonna, it. I'm I believe gonna, it. I don't even know if it was their A team. It may have even been their <laughs> in 2007 at Pan American Games. Um, what was it? I think that was in Rio a long time ago, but so we were there and the, the, the judo guys are just nuts, right? Uh, at least they were then. I don't know what they're like now, but <laughs> uh, back then between the shotgunners and or was the shooters in general and the judo guys, the, uh, the free bar that was down there was, and I was too young to do anything like that I was only like 17 or 18 years old. So, but watching them, it was crazy. And those are big dudes too. Even the little guys, you know, in the, in the smaller weight classes, they're just like randomly grab you and throw you across the room. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm done. I'm going to step back in the corner, you know, away from all that. It's fun to watch, fun to listen to and everything else, but I don't like being the one getting thrown. <laughs> that's their that's their like bar party tricks is just throwing right. people around <laughs> that is so funny that's so cool yeah i mean that's a you know that's a disciplined sport for sure that's that's cool to know that they let loose too but maybe yeah you're right maybe standing a few feet away from them uh is the best strategy yeah <laughs> exactly right just outside of of arm's reach that's funny Oh, that's cool. What a great story. That's awesome. Well, um, gosh, 2000, you mentioned 2007. Okay. So when you started, uh, uh, shooting really young, right. Um, but you, you actually, gosh, whatever you won your first world title at 16, man. Right. Is that right? 16 years old. Holy cow. That's <laughs> it, crazy. It was fun. I mean, so I started when I was 10, 10 it, years old. Oh my God. Is that a typical age that people uh, start? It, I'd say somewhere between 10 and like 14 years old. That's okay. probably the, the standard age that you're going to find people that are at an elite level. Usually yeah. they get started when they're pretty young and then they kind of develop over the course of time. Usually, I mean, like in the Olympic discipline, especially to get to the Olympics is typically a 10 year path. And it, it takes a oh, long wow. And it's a lot of practice, a lot it's just a lot of experience. You know, that's, that's what wisdom comes from. It's just an accumulation of experiences, right? Sure. So the more that you have of going out and doing something, the better you're going to get. And you know, if you have the, the, the best coaching in the world and you have the means to be able to go and get those experiences through competition, you can accelerate that time period by a few years, but it's still really hard to do that. I mean, on rare occasions, can somebody make it in less than, you know, seven or eight years on the Olympic side of things? And I mean, wow. World Cup World Championships, you might be able to get to that point, you know, a little bit sooner. But it's just, this is hard, man. And there's a, so much that goes into it, especially my discipline, because it's so mechanical in nature. And we have a lot of moving parts. And yeah. being able to perfect that takes just a really long time. 
Yeah, I believe. I mean, absolutely. That makes, I mean, that makes total sense. Um, when you started, did, did you start with skeet shooting when you started, you know, shooting? Was that the first thing you got into? Or were there other disciplines and you sort of found your way with skeet or? Yeah, so it was yes to both, actually. So I okay. started, the first thing I ever shot was my dad took me, he was a shooter growing up. My, my brother and my father were both competitive shooters. They were all Americans in trap. Oh, and wow. So then they got out of it. He's a lot older than me. My brother was. Um, so then at 10 years old, my dad took me to a shooting range just to the southeast of Atlanta or east of Atlanta. Uh, it's called South River Gun Club. And that's where I shot on the skeet field for the first time. But it was the American discipline, not the Olympic version. And then I, I quickly kind of got out of that. It was, a, it was kind of boring to me. I mean, it's, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. But it was just the same thing over and over again. <laughs> And then, but quickly thereafter, I found what's called sporting clays, which is essentially golf with a shotgun. Now you get okay. in the you drive around, you go to different stations, just like different holes. You shoot different targets on each station. I mean, it's a blast. Like, it's still that sounds awesome. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Totally. It, it really is. It's so much fun. But then when I was 12 uh, or 11 or 12, I, I always I'm trying to, I always forget when exactly this competition was that I was at. I was at a 4-H state championship. I wasn't even allowed to shoot. I wasn't old enough. And this kid came walking down the line and said, Hey, why don't y'all, he was just talking to everybody. Why don't y'all come to Atlanta and shoot the Olympic version of shooting where they like, where they held the 96 Olympics. And I look at my dad and I'm like, dude, they ran the torch through my hometown. You have shot competitively for 30 years and you had no idea that shooting was an Olympic sport. <laughs> like, let's go, please. Let's go. Cause I love the Olympics, yeah. everything about it. And so we went to Atlanta. I think it was the following weekend or maybe it was a couple weekends after we went on a Saturday and I shot and I'm shooting like this, I'm shooting a semi-auto shotgun and it's painted to look like a fishing lure. It's the coolest looking thing ever. <laughs> so I definitely stood out shortest little guy out there. The gun was taller than me. The gun was super bright, flamboyant, you know, not like me really. And so we get there and I shoot and I, I, I shoot good, really good. And I'm sitting here thinking, this is not hard. This is really easy. <laughs> How will I do this? And I come back the next day and I shoot awful. I mean, awful. I couldn't, I couldn't even get almost half, right? And then I'm like, all right, well, I think I figured out why this is an Olympic sport. <laughs> and so on the drive home, I told my mom and my dad, I was like, look, this is what I want to do. I want to go to the Olympics and I want to win a gold medal in shooting. And so they were like, wow. Okay, well, let's, let's try this. So I start shooting a little bit. And then we find out that the range in Atlanta was going to close down. And so my dad, who was a home builder at the time, built a range in my backyard. And that's where I practiced wow. for years. Wow. That's amazing. That's a, wow. What a great father to yeah, build that, right? That. To support, to support that. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, you know, he may or may not have taken a few pieces of plywood and some lumber from one of his job sites. I'm just, <laughs> Hey, they were going to, they were going to throw it away anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I got it. Listen, I got it. I got it. Okay. I got it. Uh, that's hilarious. That's man. That's awesome. What a story real quick. I, when you, I, a question I have, and I'm sure people who were listening would have the same question. What's the difference between you were saying a, a American and Olympic shooting. Did you say that earlier? Is that what you said? So the ski field, there's a, there's a bunch of different disciplines of shooting. There's sporting okay. plays, which is kind of like I was telling you golf with a shotgun. There's trap, 
there's skeet and then there's Olympic skeet and Olympic trap. So okay. two things are a little bit different in American trap. There's one little building out in the middle of the field and it's throwing one target and it varies. I think it's like a, maybe it's a 45 degree angle. I, I can't remember exactly. Oh, I see. Okay. So within 45, you'll yeah. see it within those 45 degrees. Got it. Got it. On bunker trap, there's 15 machines in a bunker. Uh, this, which is the Olympic style. And they throw 45 left, 45 right. There's a straightaway. There's three machines per, per station. So there's five stations. Wow. The targets are going at least like right at twice as fast. And there's variation in heights, variation in angles. There's like nine or 10 different schemes that you can set for throwing targets way, way harder. Wow. And then yeah. so when you go to American skeet, American or skeet in general, it, American and international is the same field. There's a high house and a low house. I think from your perspective, depending on how you're looking at it, it's like this yeah. and <laughs> cross over a central point. And then they travel, uh, I think in American ski, I think it's 60 yards, uh, give or take. And um, in international ski, it's the same field. The targets cross over the same point, but our targets travel 69 meters. So it's like 75 or 76 yards or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. so it's a lot faster. And then wow. and, 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 and all the versions of trap and then an American skeet, you get to start with the gun on your shoulder. So it's like this. And then you get to call pull for the target. In international skeet, we have to start with the gun down by our hip. And then oh. zero to three second delay as well. So when we call pull, it can come out instantaneously or any time up to three seconds. So we never oh know. Oh my God. We shoot singles and doubles all the way around the field. And, from when the target comes out to when I pull the trigger the first time is about 0.7 seconds. And then my transition. So I have to come from here. When the target comes out, I have to mount, aim, fire, break the target. Then my transition on doubles from the first target to the second target is about 0.3 to 0.4 seconds before I pull the trigger again. Oh so my everything gosh. Is really, really fast. It's all stacked against you. And <laughs> everything is really hard. It's everything. That's funny. It's all stacked against you. Like this is not in my favor. Nothing is in my no. favor. That's funny. well. It wouldn't be uh, an Olympic sport, right? It wouldn't be that difficult um, if it were super easy. You know, I honestly had no idea it was this complicated. Yeah. Uh, but that makes sense. Um, I mean, I just thought, well, it comes out and you shoot, but you're right. Okay. I didn't think about the gun of where it's at and where you got to, you know, I didn't even think about any of that stuff or the angles or the degrees or high, like, wow, holy cow. I can't even imagine. Um, that's insane. It, it, is it a lot of it for you? Muscle memory? A lot of it is. And that's, that's kind of, again, you know, that accumulation of experience. Yeah, totally. Really what you're building. Is sure. building the, the the muscle memory as we call it. So you're essentially yeah. a bit more scientific. Your your neural pathways are myelin fibers and a myelin sheath, which goes around it. That's what you build up. So the more you have that encapsulates that fiber, the more understanding your muscles have of what it needs to do to get the desired outcome. So oh, wow. that's what we're trying to do, and it, it, all of that goes into or the strength training and to the endurance training. You have to be careful because you can't like you're, I shouldn't say never, but you are rarely ever going to find this like jacked dude shooting because they don't have the correct muscle memory because it's so difficult to maintain 
that muscle memory while also building muscle at the same time, because you're having to retrain every fiber of muscle you build has to get retrained to do what you need it to do. Oh, wow. There's, there's a few of us that take the, the, the training seriously, but you know, we have to be careful on what we do that way we don't overtrain or overbuild. And I mean, like the program that I'm on is essentially going to be a, a I was hurt. I had gained a lot of weight. I'm not going <laughs> to. And so now I'm coming back from that again and getting back to where I was and getting back to where I should be. But I mean, it's been a, it's been a year process and I probably still have at, at least a year more to be able to get to where I want to be physically Wow. to be able to continue to compete just because it's such a slow process that we have to go through. No, sure. Absolutely. I mean, hundred percent. So I bet your so your wife's like, you know, you're like, she's like, why, why don't you have eight pack at baby? I can't have eight pack abs. I got to shoot guns, right? Like I can't, this is, it's going to mess up my muscle memory. <laughs> right? That's like, it's the greatest it. excuse. That's the greatest. That's the best. I'm going to start saying that to my wife. You're like, listen, this is the reason I don't not jacked. Okay. Like I got to be able to exactly. muscle memory, muscle memory, baby. That's what I'm going to say. Job. Yeah. Through my job. Yeah. I love it, man. That's awesome. What a, what a great insight though. Um, and that makes sense. I mean, you're, you're competing at literally the highest level there is. It makes sense that you would, you know, go down to, you know, literally that, that much detail, uh, you know, medically and scientifically, um, about how it affects your body and what to do to train your body. And that's fascinating. Honestly, that's absolutely fascinating. Um, where, you know, when you started shooting, so you said, uh, the first time you shot, okay, Oh, I got this is easy. Then the next day, you know, reality sets in this is, there's something to this, you know, right. Um, how long, you know, after that point, were people around you going, yeah, man, that you've, you've really got something here. It took a couple of years. Uh, okay. so if I started like on my 12th birthday, when I was 14, I think I had a kind of a, more of an outlier timeline on some things. I progressed pretty quickly, but I mean, I shot a lot more than yeah. pretty much anybody else did. I put what, a what's a what's a lot like what what is what, what like how I many shoot, I was probably shooting somewhere between 70 and 80 maybe even 85,000 rounds a year and, what, and it, how many yeah at that 80 a holy cow. oh my yeah, god was, you're talking about three pallets of shells um oh three, three wow so, I mean it makes sense that's what you're doing but holy just to put it in that perspective wow and then I would do practice mounts at night as well. I mean, it was, I, I put a lot of time and effort. I mean, I had no social life. So if you ever wonder why I was, why I looked like an awkward kid when I was going through all that. <laughs> and I went to school. I wasn't homeschooled. No, not been homeschooled. <laughs> you, but like, I didn't have a life. I, I played baseball as much as I could. I played any other sport as much as I could. But by my freshman year, this engulfed me entirely. And then, I mean, in my sophomore year, that's when I won my first world championship. So it was, I mean, I was missing 40 to 60 days of school a year and trying to make up work. I didn't have time. I woke up in the morning, did practice mounts, went to school. As soon as school was done, I got picked up or I, whenever I had my driver's license, I drove straight to the range. I practiced until dark essentially, and then come home, eat dinner, do schoolwork, do more practice mounts, do visualization and relaxation uh, exercises, and then went to sleep. That was my day every single day. Wow. 
you think it's uh, if you had to pick one thing that um, I know that's got, that's going to be hard, but if you had to pick one thing that you would say would be responsible for a lot of your success, what do you think it would be? Uh, oh, that, that's really hard. I don't know if I could necessarily just pick one thing. It was, a, I would say one of the biggest things growing up was the support that I had from my parents. Sure. Uh, my dad was my coach back then you know, when I was a teenager and still living at home. And for as much as we butted heads and there, I mean, there's a reason he's not my coach anymore. It's because yeah. we butted heads too much and it wasn't going to work. And we had a difference in philosophies as well. Uh, he helped me to be able to stay, stay focused and stay motivated to, to do what I did. And a lot of the motivation came from him pissing me off and, you know, <laughs> and being mad at him. So I'm like, no, you know what? I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. And I've been, I, I strive on being able to prove people wrong because people have been saying that I wasn't going to be able to do something my entire career. But, you know, outside of that, I had a lot of confidence in myself when I was younger, at least out on the range, because that was the, the one place that I knew that I could go and I could get out of it everything that I put into it. Yeah. So I knew how much effort I was putting into it. And I, yeah. I know that I was back then I, I could definitely be a cocky kid and, and I lost a lot of friends because of it, but I learned also because of some really good friends, what humility was true, sure. true understood it. And you have to compartmentalize these things. You know, you, I, str I really try every day to be to, uh, as humble as I possibly can, because I know now that anybody can be beaten on any given day. It can happen to the best of people. It doesn't matter how good you are. Somebody's going to have a better day than you at some point. And, but at the same time, inside my own mind, I'm telling myself, I am the best in the world. We have to. It's like the Muhammad Ali quote when he said, I told myself I was the best before I ever knew that I was. You, know, you're, you're, you have to say it to yourself. You have to speak it into existence. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to believe it. So, you know, yeah, it could, be, it could come across as being cocky. But at the same time, it's confidence. You have to think that way. Every elite athlete goes into a competition expecting to win. It's not that we're just going there hoping to win. We may say that. No, we're, if we weren't going there to win, we wouldn't even go. Totally. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I, I get it. I, I get that intensity and I understand it. You know, um, yeah, you have to visualize that win. Uh, and that's the whole reason you're doing it. Right. And, and such essentially. Um, yeah. Wow. That's intense. That's so intense. Um, it, it can be. And what I always like to say is I love to win, but I hate to lose. So I get that. Oh. factor. <laughs> I get that, man. Um, you know, they say in uh, poker, um, that, uh, you, you know, you don't really remember your wins, but you remember every bad beat you've ever had, you know, and that's the truth. I think in light, you do, you just remember those, you know, like I'm, I, I work in the restaurant industry. So I'm a chef, I've, you know, had my own places and that sort of thing. And you remember the dish that didn't go right. You know, it's like, it's so crazy that that's what you'll focus on when everything else goes right. But that's the one thing you care about. But that's also, to me, the difference between good chefs and bad chefs. The good chefs care about that thing, and that's why they have less of them, less mistakes, less failure, less, you know, because they care. They put everything into it. Like you said, they visualize. They're a little cocky. My shit's delicious. You're going to love it before I even hand it to you. You know, I'm already like, you know, 
verbally, you know, influencing you as well with it as the dishes come, you know, sort of thing. So I get it, man. I get the intent, obviously not the same level or anything like that, but uh, it's always um, cool to me to see how things relate uh, as well. Uh, but wow, that's so intense. I get it, man, at that level, you know, at, at such a high level, it, it's got to be insane. Who, who do you think are your, every sport has this, I'm sure every athlete has their own personal sort of like arch nemesis. Do you have any people out there that you're just like, oh man, I got to beat this guy, you know, cause I know that's a part of sport too. You know, it's not just yourself. You're also in a friendly way, but also very competitive too, right? That you just want to beat other people, beat this person. Are there are there anybody out there or some people out there that are just, you're always looking to beat? You know, for the most part, I, I consider pretty much everybody that, that competes to be friends of mine, but- Sure, but you still I, want to beat them. I would be remiss in right. saying I didn't have particular people where I'm like, you know, that, that have come out of nowhere. Maybe they beat me when I felt like I should have won or something like that. It yeah, just totally. made me mad. And yeah. I'm like, I'm never going to let him beat me again. And it's like, I, I am focused on making sure that obviously I'm focused on making sure that I do what I need to do. But if we get into the final, which is the top six after qualification and we're, we're going, we all start back at zero. I'm like, that's my man right there. I'm beating him. <laughs> like, I don't care if I finish fifth, I'm beating him. Yeah. So it's like, no, I mean, obviously I care if I finish fifth, I want to finish first every time. But of course. You know, there's always that that driving factor just kind of motivates you that little bit extra. It's not like we need a whole lot of extra motivation, but if I can find it, you better believe I'm going to take it. I believe. I mean, I, I get it. You know, listen to everyone listening. This is the sound of a winner, guys. This is the attitude you have to have. You know, it's honestly, it's inspiring. It's good uh, because, like you said earlier, sometimes people will take that as like cocky or this, but it's not. It's just visualizing success and visualizing you know, what, what you're setting out to do, whatever that may be and accomplishing it. If you can't see yourself doing it, how are you actually going to do it? Exactly. Right. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so no, I totally get that. That's awesome. Yeah. I would be all about competitive. I'm glad I'm not into those. I would be, you know, I, I would be all about that <laughs> it's stuff. Funny that you say that because I have found like I've worked with quite a few different chefs over the years they are exactly the same mindset as we are. <laughs> I mean, it is so eerily similar the mindsets that we have. It's so much fun though, because I mean, we'll get in there. Like they know what I do. Like you were out shooting with me, but they're like, no, I'm going to beat you, dude. I can, yeah. I, like I'm, I'm going to do this because they're just so darn competitive, but yes. I love it. That's what makes yes. it so much fun when you have somebody that has the confidence of themselves to say, you know what, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going exactly. to work hard. I may not be very good at it, but I'm going to try really, really hard. Absolutely. You're, they're going to give the best version of themselves towards it. Yeah, absolutely. That's our attitude. It, you know, it comes from just working in our industry that's very cutthroat, high pressure, at least in the t types of restaurants that I've worked um, myself or even owned. You know, it's it's um, yeah, it's high pressure. It's high intense. You know, you're, you're dealing with a lot of stuff. It's it's competitive is part of it. You want to do good. You want to be the best. In fact, that's what if it's not for the best, you don't even want to do it. It doesn't seem worth your time almost. You know what I mean? Um, it used to be a thing in uh, restaurants where like if a celebrity came in, people would be like, oh, I don't want to make that dish. I don't want to cook that. I don't want they don't want the pressure of if it not good, that person doesn't like it, blah, blah. It's this chain effect. Uh, but my thing was like, oh, that's what I want. 
I want that. I want the pressure. I want the, give me that. Give me the big thing. Give me the thing everyone's worried about. Um, because yeah, that's the most exciting because that's where the biggest reward is to me, right? I just want the biggest reward and I'm willing to take the risk of the biggest fail to get it. Uh, do you think you have to have that ad? Like you have to be willing to fail big to win big. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have to put everything on the line, everything. And it, it, we, that's what practice is for, though. And that's that's the thing is that you're not going to, to expect to make a dish the very first time. Exactly. That's one in the entire world. I mean, you have to practice yeah. at it. Yeah. And that's what I've been. I've been practicing my sport and trying to perfect every little thing for the last 20 years. And I mean, I'm, I'm still not perfect, but I'm getting closer and closer. I feel like each year because of the amount of time and effort and focus that I'm putting into it. Yep. So it's like, yeah, if I, yeah, I know that if I go in timid, I'm never going to win anything. I have yeah. to do everything I have. And if I fail, I fail. But I failed doing everything I could to make sure that I was putting forth my best effort. Sure. Totally got it. What's changed for you since when you started competing to now? I know you said, you know, obviously experience is, is a big thing. Uh, but is there anything that, you know, you would say to yourself, maybe going back in time, um, you know, to yeah, do. So there's, there's a few different things that have changed. Um, the biggest thing being my style. Uh, okay. When I was younger, I kind of blended myself between the American version of shooters and the, the European version. So I kind of took the best of both worlds and kind of made it my own. I like yeah, that. So I, was a, I had a very aggressive stance, a very aggressive style. I mean, people think that I look aggressive now. You should have seen me back in oh, like oh five. <laughs> oh, wait, it looked like I was just ready to to maul something out there. <laughs> and then I, I, my, my, I was I was really squatted down. I was like, just again, super aggressive. And over the years, I had times where I could compete really, really high, but with that style, I would also have issues sometimes. And then I would be really, really low. It was kind of a hit or miss. It wasn't really as consistent as I wanted it to be. So, I mean, I mean, I won Beijing shooting that way. So I won my the world championship, uh, Olympic medal, um, and then world records and everything like that. But I still knew that I could do better. So over the course of the last it's 10 crazy, years, man. Like you, you get to a point where people would normally be like, I, I'm the best. You're like, I can be better. Yep. That's awesome. And I, I did. I made those changes and I started slowly standing more upright, more like the European version. But I kept the American style of actually moving the gun and finding the targets. A okay. lot of based on sporting clays because I shot so much sporting clays when I was young. And so with that, that blend, I slowly started standing back up, getting the posture right, fixing my gun mount, getting my, my cheek on the gun properly. So I have a, a good gun fit, which then changed the point of impact. So when you're looking down the gun, if your gun, if your head is way high, you have to have the gun, like if this is the target, you have to have the gun way down here. To be able to break okay. it, it's actually projecting up. So Got what it. I did was I put my face down, which then allowed me to get the, the barrel actually closer to the target. So then again, there's less room for error. Everything wow. that I do is based on economy of motion and minimizing error at every route possible. So that's what I've done. I, I mean, I coach as well. And through coaching over the course of the last uh, nine years now, eight years now, I've been able to, to, again, nitpick from things that I see other athletes doing and say, you know what, that would actually really help me. 
Yeah. And then when I change that in my style and I'm like, that's, that fixes the, the, the problem that I've always had. Like that, that was, why is this was so simple? Why have I been wow. struggling with this for 10 years? Yeah. And so then I fixed that, you know, there, and it's just a continual learning process by helping others sure. that I can see myself. Cause I mean, I've been my own coach since basically 2009 and working through all of that stuff is it's been a process. And if oh, I would sure. have had a coach that, that knew what I knew now, I could have been even better back then. I mean, oh looking my at my scores over the course of the last four years, yeah, I won two Olympic medals shooting the other way. And really, even in 2012, I had already changed my style. I was probably halfway to where I am now. But my average scores now would have won every Olympic medal pretty much that I could have possibly won. And, wow. Or at least, you know, maybe not gold, but it would have won a medal every yeah. time. So when I look at it that way, I'm like, okay, I'm getting more consistent and I'm continually, I mean, I'm looking at hundredths or tenths of a target uh, increase in my average every quarter or maybe even wow. every year at this point. Wow. You know, and it's just little tiny increments of getting better. That's what we're looking for. Because out of 25 targets, we try to shoot 25 straight every time. Yeah. And my average is in competition over the course of the last three years, I think it's like 120 three and some change out of 125. So it's, it's pretty high and, but I want it higher. I mean, I want to be able to go out and shoot 124 or 125 every single time because I know that that's going to be metal. Wow. That's insane. You know, what does it feel like the one that gets away? That's just, uh, it's frustrating at the, at the, during the time, but you, again, it's, that's the compartmentalization. Just let it go. Completely gone. As yeah, soon as you it miss go. it, you, you yep. analyze, you figure out what it was, be a little frustrated for about half a second. And you say, okay, this is the correction. Now I have to fix this. This is how, this is what you do to fix it. Now go and execute. And then you execute again, you fix it, you hit it the next time and you move on. Then you yeah. have to have such a short memory when it comes to losses. And afterwards you can analyze, you, you can do whatever you need to, but if you're doing it quickly enough and you know how to, because again, you're doing it in practice, you analyze, you fix all within two or three seconds, and then you move on. That way you can stay positive. You can stay focused on the goal that's moving forward is, okay, I missed one, but I can still hit every single target from here on out and still be as close to perfect as possible. If I miss one, it means I can shoot a perfect 124 out of 125. If I miss two, I can shoot a perfect 123 out of 125. I mean, you just have to think about it in the most positive way possible. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. Just moving forward with it. Wow, that's crazy. I was watching some of your YouTube videos of you shooting and whatnot, and there's this one in particular um, that just has this really nice sort of close-up on you and sort of slow-mo of just you, you know, not showing the ski, but just that part of you. And dude, your eye contact is insane, man. Your, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like your intensity. It's like, man, it's like a lion, like out in the fucking, you know, African jungle right there. Dude, you just have these like intense eyes on the target. And it's just like, wow. Um, I, it's almost like you can see the talent there. You can almost just see it in your eyes and the way, the gun is, is, you know, hugged in and it's just all this like one motion. 
it's uh it's pretty intense man i definitely recommend people check out um some videos of you on youtube shooting and stuff it's absolutely amazing like honestly the the intensity and the skill is ridiculous it's just crazy so oh, i certainly appreciate that uh, again it, yeah it's a lot of effort a lot of work to try to get there but again like we say i i hate to fail i hate to lose and if i'm not 100% <laughs> focused on that target then you can't win absolutely no i love that man you, you must have been amazing at duck hunt growing up or whatever some <laughs> no, of those I whatever I, I love it so much my brother and i used to play well i remember having the original nintendo and everything set up on the on the big you know tube tv yeah totally we're sitting there we're, we're battling it out so much fun <laughs> do, do you like playing any shooting games is that anything you get into yeah. uh I, mean, I, I don't know i play i play call of duty pretty regularly i'm not very good at it but i'm, Re I'm what you're not very good at it i know it's so frustrating man it's like my so my, like my left hand is fine i play on xbox and for whatever reason it's i feel like I'm, mine has a lag everybody else <laughs> <is moving so laughs> but, but and i play with guys that are playing on pc too so they're i watch them play and they're playing with mouse and i'm like okay oh that's yeah it's not fair that is not fair. You're right. They there should be a different. Yeah, I, I I hear you on that for sure. That's funny. That way they know the struggle of trying to screw with you with your. <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, it's we, we played last night actually. We have about like an hour and a half, and we played on Warzone. We played two two rounds, and then I was ready to throw my controller through the screen. I'm like, I'm done. We're we'll go into multiplayer. We get into multiplayer, and it doesn't start out very much better. But then thankfully, like, and you, and I haven't played in like a month because I've been traveling so much, you know, finding out the different guns that they, that they've changed and, you know, just going through cycling through each one. I'm like, all right, which one's going to work today? And then I finally found one that worked and went with that. And that's, that's, there. That's, that's hilarious, <laughs> man. You know what? Actually, you're going to make people feel a lot better who are like, look, this Olympic fucking you know athlete with the you know who who masterfully can handle a gun you know is not very good at call of duty i feel better about myself not being very good at call of duty yeah. <laughs> that's true so it's not very realistic as far as shooting goes you think in those games i mean it, it is but it's not i mean that, that's the thing like if i was actually holding one and moving it the right way i 100 percent like yeah would be dominating be a lot better yeah, for sure. So when it goes VR and they start to have the thing, you're going to crush it. I have already looked into VR and I'm like, I've already, I've already found out. Like, okay. They actually do have a call of duty for VR out right now, but apparently there's not hardly anybody on it yet. So got it. I am okay. so ready for that to come out because then it is game on. Oh, dude, you are going to crush people, man. Oh, my goodness. I have the Oculus Quest 2 that I just bought. I'm not a game person, or if that's what they're called, gamer, game person. I don't know the correct terminology, but I do enjoy a nice game here or there. Uh, but the, I, I got to admit, this Oculus Quest VR thing I got is pretty mind-blowing. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm 41, so I'm, I'm a little, you know, I do grow up with games, but not the style of games we have now. It's very intense. You know, I will say that for anybody listening or what, like, if you're going to get it, just be, you know, if you're fair, if you're scared of heights and like, it feels like real, everything feels real in that sense. Um, uh, but for shooting games, it is pretty, I mean, not that I 
you know, know how to shoot or know what I'm doing here. Look at me. I'm like some like uh, cowboy over here shooting my six shooters. But that's basically what it feels like in the games, you know. Like. <laughs> Well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have to fix that. You you you're either gonna have to come up here, or I'm gonna have to go down there. We're gonna have to teach you how to actually shoot a gun really well. <laughs> gonna, I don't know if I can teach you how to do that one, but <laughs> we're gonna have to act, have to get you comfortable around shooting whatever you want: rifle, pistol, shotgun. I mean, I was in the army marksmanship unit, so it's, I'm not a great pistol shot. I'm not a, I'm not a great rifle shot, especially compared to the guys that I was you know, serving. Sure. With. But I, obviously, I can handle my own. I've been around guns my entire life, and yeah. I'm shooting all of them. Yeah. So either you come up here, or I go I love down here, and we'll figure this out. We're, we're gonna I love it. Range. Oh, that's awesome, man! I love it. That's funny. I I have been to. I remember I went to a, a bachelor party one time. My friend um, had, and I, you know, look, I grew up in Texas. That you know, people have guns all around. I just don't have guns. I'm not. I just don't shoot them. You know, obviously, you can tell by the way I handle my fingers. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I remember going to this, um, yeah, this bachelor party, and I show up, and we're out in a field. It's like seven a.m. And, you know, and everyone was cool. Okay. No drinking, no nothing. It was, it was serious. And there was just these two tape, like fold out tables, like catering tables laid out with just guns on them and ammo and all that. And then just targets behind. I was like, and it, it was just like a free for all of people just, uh, you know, pick it up and shoot. I'll never, I mean, I will never forget that the rest of my life. I had a blast. I didn't know what I was doing you know, uh, but I loved every second of it. I get, um, just for a personal thing, like I get the, I get it. It's so cool. There's something about it. There's, this is power to it and controlling that power. And, um, yeah. And, and there's a, there is just this amazing skill to it, you know? So to hear you talk about like what you do and it, you know, if anybody's listening, it's like, ah, that doesn't seem so I promise it is like, and especially the consistency that you do it. I think that's really right. That's the, that's the key difference too, is you're able to just constantly, you know, stay at that high level. And that's really the separation, not just some lucky shot you got off. Um, you know, that's, that's most people like in golf, right? You get that lucky shot in golf, you know, uh, that, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, that's crazy. You know, I was also going to ask, you kind of mentioned it, you, you shoot other guns. I was going to ask you if you were familiar with handling other firearms, but I, I would imagine, yeah, I guess you do um, handle other things, pistols and whatnot. So I've, I've got a, a variety of, of pistols and rifles. I mean, I've, I've got several ARs that I, most of the time, I either I'm just out on the range shooting them because it's so much easier to shoot. So okay. I, I hunt with them too, because again, yeah. it's just it's so much easier. It doesn't kick at all. Yeah. Uh, the gas operating system it's just i would much rather hunt with an ar platform than any other kind oh uh, wow a little bit louder you know if you have like if you have a suppressor you know with the chamber still opening because it's a semi-auto gun it's gonna pop so a bolt gun is a little bit quieter there if for accuracy now if i'm if i'm wanting to shoot like a, a group this big at 500 yards then yeah i'm gonna shoot a bolt gun but for everything that i'm gonna do like if i'm gonna go hunt deer or hunt pigs or whatever it may be, I'm just going to take an AR because it, it's easier, simpler, and it's a lot more fun too. Totally. I, yeah, pistols, I get it. I mean, I only really carry nine mils. That's all I have. I think I've got probably shoot nine or 10 pistols, but they're all in nine millimeter, but all of them are different guns and it's just, it's fun. It's fun to shoot a different gun, sure. uh, different brands. I shoot for Beretta. That's one of my sponsors and I shoot for federal as well uh, for ammunition side of things. But 
still, even though you know, I, I, I shoot a Beretta uh, most of the time, but I've got Glocks, I've got um, H&Ks, I mean, I've got a variety of different things. I'm still looking for some other ones too, just because I love pistols. I'm not very good at it, but I love them. <laughs> and I, I, I have my CHL, so I have a carry gun as well. Yeah. And you know, it's just, it's something that, uh, that I, I like to do. I like to mess with, and it's not something that I do every day. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why I like it so much is because it's different. Sure. To- totally, totally get it. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole different, uh, no, I get it. Absolutely. Where, where are you, where do you live right now? Where, where are you living at? Fort Worth. You're in Fort Worth. Okay. Yeah. South of Fort Worth. Yeah, right on. You're just down. I'm in Dallas uh, at this moment. Um, I was just in Fort Worth this past weekend, man. Had a great time uh, celebrating my nephew's birthday at Sequest out there. Uh, some yeah, mall okay. or something. Yeah. It was a lot. I mean, I haven't been to Fort Worth in a while, actually. I love Fort Worth. It's a great city. I love it. Uh, it just, it's, it's a, that's like Texas to me. You know, it's just really Texas. Um, I just love it. It's yeah. just so much fun going to Fort Worth. No, that's awesome, man. Um, so you heard about this new law, right? You, that people are going to be carrying around with no license, right? So you have this, you won't even need it anymore, right? Essentially. Yep. Yeah. With constitutional yep. theory, I think that uh, it's, it's gotten passed. I think it comes into effect here pretty soon. If it hasn't already, it's coming pretty soon. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously there's a lot of people that have their own opinions on it and they're entitled to their own opinions. By sure, all means. Of course. I, I don't of course. care if you don't like it. I don't care if you do like it. Yeah. I know that I went through and got my CHL. I didn't mind going and getting a CHL, but you know, there's a there's a law in the Constitution that says that we can have it. So I'm I'm good with with whatever they want to do. I've got me mine. Too. That's, me that's too. Yeah, you're like I got mine. I don't, you know, not worry about. It. No, I get it for sure. Uh, no, it's always funny. Um, you know, I'm look. I'm a liberal. I live in Texas, but the truth is, like. I don't care about guns. I really don't. You have guns. You have you keep your guns. I, I really, I just don't care. I, you know, I grew up in Texas. I grew up with a lot of people that responsibly had guns my whole life. So I've known that my whole life, right? Like it's nothing new to me, but for some reason, people just in other places, whatever, they just, I think it's just people are scared of things they don't know. And I can understand that. Uh, that happens in a lot of facets of life, right? Not just this part. So whatever, uh, you know, I try to break the myths all the time on this podcast of like, oh, well, people are just going to be carrying around guns everywhere. It's like, dude, I literally walk around all day in Texas. I don't see people with guns. Okay, I promise you. I, I It's very rare to just see somebody with a gun, to be honest with you. It's kind of rare. Um, so it's not, again, It's we're not riding around on horses. We're not shooting six shooters. It's not Texas. I mean, it's not what we're doing. And uh, yeah. right. It's the fear of the unknown. There, there are so That's many it. people out there now that you know, look at the, the transition of, of lifestyles over the course of the last century. And you'll see that with, with the transition from a more rural lifestyle to a more city life, there's just less of an opportunity for people to be introduced to a firearm. And That's a great point. I great like point. To, to point out to people is the shooting sports are the safest sport in the entire world. We have never had a fatality in any organized shooting competition. Ever. Oh, really? We have fewer injuries than table tennis. What? <laughs> what? That's crazy. How many millions of people just in the U.S. alone are out and that are competing? Now, this is in competition. I'm sure there's sure. people that, that do stupid stuff on their own. But in competition, we are all about safety. Yeah. There are hundreds of thousands or millions of people that are competing in sport shooting every year. And especially in the shotgun side of things, particularly. And, and 
it's been in the Olympics since 1896. It was one of the first original modern Olympic sports. Oh, wow. We have never had any type of injuries or anything like that in the history of the sport. So that's amazing track record. When it's done correctly, the firearm is simply a tool. That's all it is. It will only be used with it's with whatever the intentions of the handler is using it for. So that's something that we have to keep into perspective of. You just need to know what you're doing and understand that people won't make the the decisions that you want them to make all the time that we hope that they'll make every time. Sure. But it's, again, it's just a tool and I agree. we need to, to introduce people to it. We need to educate people on them and we need to make people more comfortable with it because as they become more comfortable, they also understand the responsibility that it takes to be an, uh, an owner of a firearm or to handle a firearm. And that changes the entire perspective as well. I agree. That, that's a great point, man. It, it's almost like, um, yeah, that's, that's a great point. Um, you know, if you ever do get a fire in your, in your hand and someone is showing you and, you know, this and that you do get a better understanding and start to grasp, you know, what it is. And you see people who are into guns, like how safe they are and how serious they take it and they don't mess around. You know, it's like, you know, there's, these are serious people, um, you know, uh, so yeah, absolutely. Again, just that fear of the unknown and educate ed- educating people on it for sure. And and look, like I tell people here, you know, there, there's a rural part of Texas, of course. You know, most Texas is rural. That's just a different way to live. Okay, I have family that lives out in the country, as we say here in Texas. Um, you know, it's just look if the if if my aunt of or whatever calls the cop, you know, they live out in the the country. Like I said, if if she calls the cops, they're not going to show up for an hour. Okay. So yeah, they have guns. Okay. It just makes sense. Uh, it's just a different way of life uh, as well. So yeah, that's, you know, absolutely, man. Again, I think you said it best education, just all about educating people. And um, I love that you're about that. I love that you're, that's what, you know, what you want to promote and you want people to understand the sport. And I, I had no idea about that, that it was, you know, being such a safe sport, I, I would have figured there would have been a few accidents just for the odds, right. Just for odds sake. But Again, it just shows how seriously people take it and that safety is a big concern. And um, yeah, that's awesome. That's, you know, it's great to hear, to be honest with you. So, yeah, that's cool, man. So what are you looking forward to with this new, uh, with this new, uh, th- this summer coming up? Anything, um, you got some new game plan? I don't know. Are you, you, you refresh after COVID, right? It got, it got postponed a year. Did that affect your training? Did it sort of... How did that work for you? It changed a lot. It changed a lot of things. Um, I made the Olympic team last year in March of 2020, the week before everything shut down. Oh, wow. I barely got on. I barely made it before everything, you know, the crap hit the fan. And we were able to stay on the team. So my intention was to take off this year. In between Olympics, I've begun to, starting after 2016, I've begun to realize just how much time at home is necessary and just to refresh the body, refresh the mind. Again, yeah. as long as I've been doing this, I need time to just reset. So Absolutely. after COVID took away everything and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to take off this year. I mean, it's God's looking at me saying, ha, you had a plan. <laughs> Look at this. I got a new one for you. And so I'm like, okay, fine. I'm going to take off this year. Uh, and so I took off nine months. Uh, from from practice and just focused on you know, being the the best dad that I could be, 
Now I was, I was teacher. I was best friend, you know, playing in the pool every day during the, during the summer last year. I mean, I, I did everything with them. And that's awesome. During this last fall, even had timing off as well. You know, I'm picking, I'm taking them to school. I'm going out, doing some coaching, going to the gym, picking them up from school, bringing them home, doing homework, cooking dinner. Um, my now ex-wife actually, she's in nursing school. So like we, we're still good friends. We still work together really, really well. And so it's like, I'm, I'm still there at the house every day and I'm cooking dinner for them. I'm, I'm helping the kids doing whatever we're doing. And you know, it just, it works out pretty well. And I love being able to be there. I love kids. And uh, especially, obviously I love my kids, Yeah, but <laughs> uh, it's, it's been fun, honestly, going through COVID because I got so much closer with my kids. That's and awesome. Now, uh, again, I took off all that time. I came back so refreshed and so rejuvenated that like I look forward to going to the range and practicing every day. And then towards the end of my, my three and a half year run leading up to Tokyo, I was tired again. When I made the team, I was tired mentally and physically, and I didn't have the greatest outlook on, like I knew that I could go and I could win in Tokyo, but I didn't have that overwhelming feeling. of just like, I know I'm going to go and win. And yeah. so now I, like, I don't have a shadow of a doubt in my mind because I'm having so much fun practicing and competing that I'm like, I just give me to Tokyo. Like, just get me there. <laughs> don't you cancel this games again. Don't you do that. Because I, if I can just get there, I really feel like I can win. Like I know it in the, in the back of my head and in my body that I can win. Obviously I still have to go and I have to execute. I have to do everything that I need to do that it takes to win. But Again, I have that confidence in myself. I have that joy of going out on the range every day. And that feeling, I know what that feeling brings, and that brings success. So I'm excited about this summer. Uh, I was supposed to be in Croatia the end of this month. Just supposed to leave in like two weeks. And I was just in Italy for two weeks, uh, about two weeks ago. Uh, we had a World Cup and a Grand Prix, won a few medals there, had a, had a good, good event. And, and now we're not going to Croatia because of COVID stuff. And the way that the regulations that Japan are putting in place for us, we have to make sure we don't have COVID or we don't even get a positive test. Yeah. So staying home, essentially quarantining myself from except for the gym and the range. And I'm just going to do my best to prepare and get to get me to Tokyo and I'll do my best again. Oh, that's awesome. When, when are you supposed to head out to Tokyo? I think we are scheduled right now to leave on the 17th of July. So we'll get there on the 18th. And then I think we're going to start practicing on the 19th on the range. Um, opening ceremonies is the 23rd. And then my event is 24, 25, 26. Wow. Okay. Wow. Wow, man. That's insane. So at least you do have a few days to get settled in, get used to the yeah. time change, all of that stuff, right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. That's gotta be so exciting. It, you know, I gotta, I gotta imagine, is there some sort of either pressure on yourself or pressure you feel from, you know, competing athletes or even your team members, like you've already won some gold medals, dude. You know what I mean? So it's like, is there, is there something of, you know, when you walk in a room, are people looking at you differently? Is there expectation? Is there this, is there that? And do you even care about any of that? Uh, I mean, if there weren't expectations, then I wouldn't be doing my job right because that means that I wouldn't be good enough to be there. And so, I mean, yeah, other people are going to have expectations for me, but honestly, 
they're not any greater than what my expectations are for myself. I yeah. think if I'm, if I'm thinking about this and through this correctly, I believe I'm the only returning Olympic medalist on the entire shooting team. That's rifle, pistol, and shotgun. Oh, wow. That's kind of a, a little bit more of a burden to bear. Now that I'm thinking wow. about it. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> no, it, it's fun. I'm one of the older guys on the team, which is weird. I'm 32. And typically like that's the normal age of people that are on the team. Yeah. But as basically starting when I made it when I was 19, it just continued to get younger and younger and younger. So it's going to be fun being there and be one of the guys that, you know, this will be my fourth games. Wow. And I've got a lot of experience. So it's going to be totally different than, than any of the ones. I really hate that for my teammates. They're not going to get the same Olympic experience that I've, I've grown accustomed to the last three times. Sure. It's, just, it's a shame that we have to yeah. go through this with COVID, but yeah. you know, obviously I, I get it. There's, you know, there's issues with everything that's going on and we have to try to do what's best for everybody. But yeah, we, I will have to say that you are talking about the most physically fit and healthy people in the entire world are going to be in one spot. I don't think we have a whole lot to worry about, but <laughs> I get the, the concerns for everybody else. Yeah. Well, that's a great point. I never heard it put that way. That's a great, that's a great point though. Yeah. These are literally the most well-trained oiled athletes in the world, you know, oiled. I didn't mean it like that. It meant like a machine, not like you guys are all oiled up. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, that came out all wrong. That's not... <laughs> oh, Patrick, Jesus. Uh, yeah. The way you said it. Okay. Much better. We're going to go with that. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> No, man. Uh, well, listen, dude, th this again, um, gosh, you know, I, I, you know, I wish you the absolute best in this, man. You know, you got fans here. We're actually going to be pushing for you for sure. Um, so excited for you. Um, you. You're such a great guy, man. I had such a great conversation uh, speaking to you, man. Um, you know, not only do you deserve what you've gotten, you know, uh, absolutely deserve whatever's coming your way, man. You have such a great attitude about things. And th this is such a great... Um, lesson and inspiration for people uh for this too and just learning about your sport you know maybe just putting some ideas of what people think it is you know this will help uh, people understand a little bit better that maybe uh don't like myself um who didn't really know too much about it so i, I appreciate the eye opening and uh you know getting me to see it and again man you, you know you have such a great attitude about things and um yeah wish you nothing but the best dude coming up here I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I, I mean, I appreciate you having me the opportunity to get to, you know, to share some things and share some experiences. It was cool. You know, so I had a lot of fun and I'm dead serious when I say you're going to have to come over. We're not, we're not very far apart. And, uh, we're not at all. I mean, shit. Yes. You're in Fort Worth, dude. Absolutely, man. Look, I'll, um, I'll send you an email. We have your, your contact. I'll send you an email that you have my contact info and absolutely, man, let's get together. I would love to learn from somebody like yourself. Obviously we'll wait till, after the Olympics. Okay. You got a lot on your plate. You got a lot on your mind. Um, you know, stay with that and, uh, dude. And when you're done with it, you know, we'll sell, we'll, we'll have you back on and celebrate your medals. That's what's going to happen. Looking going to celebrate that gold medal, another triple gold medal, uh, here. Uh, winner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Right. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Well, look again, my best to you, my best to you and your family and your kids and everything. Um, and yeah, like I said, we'll be rooting for you and, uh, yeah, man, I'll shoot out my, my info and let's see if we can, we'll make something happen at some point. So, and if you need anything, please reach out to us, uh, for whatever reason, uh, as well. So again, man, Vincent, this was awesome, dude.
This was so awesome. I really appreciate it. And I uh, hope you get to enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You do the same. And now it's time for my favorite part of the show, the end credits. This is everyone responsible for making the show happen. Executive producer, Sebastian Sauerborn. Podcast manager, Nevena Ponovich. Marketing manager, Caroline Grape. Video and audio editors, Danilo Vojnov and Pavel Sebastianovich. Thumbnail designer, Marco Vukovic. Social media manager, Ursa Rusman. Guest outreach, Corey Mencies. Designing image quotes, Jay Apuya. Social media videos, Labri Fernandez. Outreach support, Yonet Del Mundo. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. The Lone Star Play podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for stores, butchers, restaurants, farmers markets, and more who are using fresh, artisanal, organic sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, go to thelonestarplay.com. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Until next time. <music>